Hi, this is Steve Nellick from Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastro.com And this is Apollo 11, Getting There. This is the first of three podcasts on the Apollo 11 mission, which launched on the 16th of July, 1969. Apollo 11 was the culmination of eight years of intense space activity by both the Americans and the Russians. The Americans had begun with the Mercury program from 1961 to 1963, involving six launches of solo astronauts, developing skills in launch, ground control and Earth orbit manoeuvres. Then the Gemini program launched two-man crews in ten missions from 1965 to 1966, developing skills in long-duration flying, spacewalking and vehicle rendezvous. Then the Apollo program flew three-man crews, testing a command module in Earth orbit with Apollo 7, flying it to the Moon with Apollo 8, testing the lunar module in Earth orbit with Apollo 9, and then flying it to the Moon in Apollo 10, which had launched only two months previously in May 1969. So, on the morning of the 16th of July, the Apollo crew are all strapped in and ready to go. From the left is Mission Commander Neil Armstrong, the second ever civilian commander of a space mission crew, the first having been, well, Neil Armstrong, on Gemini 8. He had been drafted in 1948 for the Korean War, became a naval aviator, flying 78 missions, but after the war he resigned his commission. Armstrong was 38 when Apollo 11 launched, his second ever space mission after Gemini 8. Next, in the middle seat of the Apollo 11 command module, is lunar module pilot Colonel Edwin Buzz Aldrin. Buzz was apparently a childhood nickname, owing to his sister mispronouncing the word brother as Buzzer. In fact, Aldrin had his name officially changed to Buzz in 1988, so the Edwin is kind of redundant now anyway. Aldrin was 39 when Apollo 11 launched, his second ever space mission after Gemini 12, when he had become the first person with a PhD to fly in space. On Gemini 12, Aldrin conducted the most successful of the Gemini program's spacewalks, having first acclimatised himself by training in a spacesuit underwater, an approach still commonly used today. Aldrin is the astronaut in the iconic Man on the Moon photo. He is also a YouTube celebrity, with footage of him punching Bart Sabrell, a moon hoax nutter, who confronted Aldrin outside a hotel with a camera set up to film the incident, and called him a coward, a liar and a thief. The police declined to file charges, viewing that Aldrin had been unreasonably provoked. In the right-hand seat is Command Module Pilot Lieutenant Michael Collins, although now <coughs> Major General Collins. Collins is the one everyone forgets in trivia quizzes. Being the pilot of the Command Module means you're the one who has to stay in lunar orbit while the other two land in the lunar module. He was 38 when Apollo 11 launched his second ever space mission after Gemini 10. Collins' move into the Apollo program 
was complicated by a cervical disc herniation, which required surgery in 1968, forcing him to miss the Apollo 8 mission he had been scheduled on, his place taken by Jim Lovell. So, Michael Collins was rescheduled to Apollo 11, while Jim Lovell, on his next rotation, got Apollo 13. So, a mixed blessing there, perhaps. Collins was also a particularly keen autobiographer. While many astronauts have published their experiences, and Collins' liftoff is a nice example, Collins also wrote Flying to the Moon for a children-slash-younger-adult audience. The Apollo 11 crew was the second-ever crew to fly with no rookie astronauts, the first having been Apollo 10, and the next would not be until the Space Shuttle mission, SDS-26, the return-to-flight mission after the Challenger disaster in 1986. So, a no-rookie crew gives some indication of the high-risk status of the Apollo 11 mission. Anyway, back to the 16th of July 1969. By 1pm Greenwich Mean Time, or 9am local time, tensions were high as there was a fairly tight launch window since NASA wanted the landing to take place just as the sun was rising on the moon over the preferred landing site called Apollo Landing Site or ALS-2 in the Sea of Tranquility. So, Apollo 11 would need to launch in the next five hours or risk a different landing site. The mission parameters required the sun to be just rising at 5 to 14 degrees in the moon's sky, when 90 degrees is straight up, to ensure there were long shadows on the ground to help identify rocks and craters. Also, the lunar module would come in at a 16 degree angle, and data gathered by Apollo 10, which overflew ALS-2, indicated that if the sun got to 18 degrees, sunlight would start to reflect straight back into the eyes of the astronauts, and if the sun got any higher than that, there would be no long shadows. But despite distant thunderstorms, Apollo 11 did launch at 1.32pm. The first stage of the Saturn V fired for 2 minutes and 42 seconds to gain an altitude of 70 kilometres and a speed of about 10,000 kilometres an hour. The first stage then dropped away and the second stage fired for another 6 minutes and 26 seconds, gaining an altitude of over 180 kilometres. Up to 100 kilometres of altitude, Armstrong had had one hand on the abort handle, which, if pulled, would fire the little launch escape rocket, which would blast the command module and its crew away from a potentially highly explosive Saturn V. But with the Saturn V performing flawlessly, the escape rocket was jettisoned along with a protective cover over the command module, allowing the astronauts to see out the window for the first time and watch a blue sky turn to black. The third and final stage of the Saturn V fires twice. The first burn to fly the spacecraft downrange meaning its trajectory increasingly arcs over towards the shape of an orbit. After this first two-minute burn, the spacecraft was just over 190 kilometres in altitude, but over 2,600 kilometres downrange from Kennedy Space Centre in Florida, 
and coasted into a stable Earth orbit 11 minutes and 49 seconds after liftoff, maintaining a speed of 7.7 kilometres a second, or 2,800 kilometres an hour. In orbit, with no rockets firing, the crew experienced weightlessness for the first time in a heads-down orientation, so they are looking up at the Pacific Ocean. For the next two and a half hours, the crew undertook a thorough systems check while their spacecraft completed one and a half Earth orbits. Then, as they were passing over Australia, Mission Control sent the message, Apollo 11, this is Houston. You are go for TLI, over. TLI, meaning translunar injection, is where the still-attached third stage of the Saturn V fires for the second time for nearly six minutes, increasing the spacecraft's speed to 10.8 kilometres a second, which is essentially an escape velocity from low Earth orbit. So, just two hours and 50 minutes since liftoff, the crew were on their way to the Moon on a trajectory that coincided with a point in space where the Moon would be in about three days' time. And if you're keen to see how this all works out, tune in for the next episode. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nellick from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where expenditure is not an option. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.